Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. I hope everyone is well, um, living our lives to the greatest extent that we possibly can in these times. Um, amidst crisis, you know, with feelings of uncertainty and unrest, um, you know, like everyone's saying, it's been crazy and just weird, but even saying that would probably be an understatement for how much of a roller coaster of changes these past months and, you know, a year thus far it has been. But yeah, um, I do hope everyone is doing well, you and your families, um, but I guess I can't really start the podcast without um, addressing just how varied our experiences are in these times, having come from different forefronts in life, you know, um, and I just want to say that my heart goes out to everyone who's deeply and differently affected by this crisis. Um, So many sectors in our society and, you know, in our own communities are so disadvantaged right now, Um, so much more disadvantaged than they were before. So whether you're facing job insecurity, homelessness, food insecurity, um, it, it's never enough to just say that my thoughts and the prayers go out to you, but we'll figure it out. I wanted to do this podcast episode, you know, with little to no production as possible. just wanted to, to think and talk with with everyone um go through these go through what's been going on in our heads um have have this space to feel freely i mean i do have a document pulled up right now i just have some notes and talking points that i wanted to go through and so i don't go blabber um i just have some talking points that i really wanted to discuss on here um but yeah like this would be less structured, a different format from my previous podcast episodes. This will be a little bit more free-flowing, just a raw conversation between us. So I have my laptop in here, I have my water, I have... what else do I have here? Um, I'm pretty set up right now. Um, I do not have ventilation, however, in my room because I had to turn off my air and my fan and also have my windows shut to minimize noise and chatter. But who knows? Um, I might, I might end up turning that on mid episode if I'm burning up. But we'll hope for the best. Um, but before I start, um, I do want to say that I'll be linking a document in the description where you can find donation drives 
and links to information hubs and some other sources of inspiration you might want to look into because whether you clicked on this episode to find some sort of comfort or solace um if you just wanted to have some company if you needed to pass the time or you wanted some form of distraction uh i hope you do find it so yeah let's let's go through these clouds of thoughts together um so when i was drafting these notes that i have maybe like a week and a half ago or two weeks ago i figured that the most important element to talk about was definitely just how much of a life and death situation this entire crisis is um You know, it really um, my thoughts and prayers do go out to the families who have lost their own to the many communities who are fighting for a member you know, uh and wanted to take some seconds to just remember these lives that they've lived. I guess the most heartbreaking part about this global crisis really is just how much a battle it presented and how much we had to sacrifice for it like I said I prepared some talking points for this episode and one of the crucial juxtapositions I wanted to draw our attention to is that of the individual versus system dynamics and you know I always thought that it was a great but dangerous very dangerous dichotomy most especially highlighted by this crisis and of course being the overthinker that I am I had a conflict with which of these two I wanted to discuss first because you know I thought timing and priorities always say a lot um that I finally decided, you know, the individual, the person in and of itself definitely hold more value. I think that living our lives and being a person in these times um, weigh more than anything. And so, yeah, I wanted, I wanted to first check in on everyone. How, how are you guys doing? What have you guys been up to? What have you been feeling, thinking, and just how life has been treating you lately? And I know that these past few weeks and months, you know, we can't really say because we're very, very different timelines of these. And that's 
one thing that I really wanted to highlight when talking about this is just how varied our experiences are and it's expected to be that way and how we should feel about that how we should treat other people you know knowing that we're living at different paces we're living at different places um, not just geographically but also internally we're we're at different points in our life at this moment when the crisis you know at different extents hit our lives and that's one thing that I really wanted to say out loud in here is that whatever it is you're feeling and whatever it is that your gut is saying to you it's real um it's okay to feel that way everything that you're thinking about everything that you're feeling um both vocally and sort of just kept to yourself should be looked at as something true and very real you know i think that's that's one thing i really wanted to be telling people that your experience is more than valid and so if if you needed to hear that well there you go because i know that these are scary and just confusing times for everyone and you know we have very different definitions of what it feels to be afraid and just lost in the dark Um, but I think the bottom line is is that we're all in some sort of puddle right now Um, we're all living our lives amidst something terrifying, confusing, and you know, and I could be telling people all day long that this is the best time to be just your kindest self and your most understanding self but I think it also goes beyond other people and your treatment of other people but also how you look at yourself right now and how you sort of evaluate everything that you're doing and everything that you're trying to be at these times so yeah i just wanted to address that real quickly um but i know that everyone has different priorities in these times um whether it be your health um very very important to be looking after yourselves right now and your families and friends of course um I know a lot of people who have just been, you know, taking the extra mile to actually care for themselves and their mental health at this point, and that's amazing. Um, people have been working out, you know, I mean, with the extra time that we have, I guess extra time meaning we're sort of sucked out of our usual routines and, you know, we're, we're sort of left to do with nothing. We're sort of left with nothing, you know, within our usual routines. And so we have extra minutes to work out a little bit more and to try out lifestyles. And that's great. Um, let me know what workout routines you've got, you guys have built for yourselves in these times. I've also been seeing quite a lot of people and friends, actually, that have been 
trying to touch into their spiritualities, um, whether it be picking up a journal and writing about their thoughts or just taking, I don't know, more intentional time with the Lord. And, you know, I guess that's another way, I guess that's their way of taking care of themselves at this point. Um, I definitely see like a wave of chefs on the rise right now. It's it's kind of it's kind of beautiful how how people are creating up these recipes and whatnot. I personally have. I mean, we sort of um, time of limited resources, and so what I've been doing is I've just been experimenting a lot with the oats. I just made oat milk maybe a few weeks back. Because, yeah, I forgot to say that I am recording this on April 11th. And so I'm personally officially a month into this public health self-isolation. Obviously, um, it might be different for other people outside of Manila, outside of the Philippines, all around the globe. But yeah, that's what I've been up to. I've been making weird things actually they're not weird i've been making more things out of oats not just oatmeal because i'm personally over the oatmeal vibe i haven't made oatmeal in a long long time so what i did just a few days back um, i made some pretzels i tried to make some tortilla it did not work out i'll try again maybe tomorrow we'll see i'll let you guys update it i guess um what else um i guess you know, we've been way into video calls and chats. It, it's just been really helpful having the internet with us in these times to stay more connected despite having to physically distance ourselves and stay at home. Um, what else? I mean, definitely a lot of changes. I mean, with school, for me personally, school is sort of out of the equation. First week of quarantine. I'm not entirely sure, but basically for me personally and the school that I attend to, um, classes got suspended starting March 10th. Um, it was supposed to be just a few days and then the community quarantine got announced and so from there on out, the entire curriculum just had to be adjusted and sort of fit to alternative ways of learning. But a few days into it i'm not really sure i don't really remember much student council had an initiative to have these online classes canceled to cater to all students of all schema just because obviously the internet and having your own laptop at home especially in these crises because like literally everyone just bolted out of their dorms and whatever place they were staying in just to go home and be with their families and so obviously school wasn't the first priority and you know we just had to make adjustments that fit right into everyone and everyone's lifestyles and so we had that cancelled for me personally i didn't really go through a lot of online classes um i think because my professors at the time that the community quarantine started they were still preparing and sort of trying to figure out which platforms to use and how exactly would we do this because this was also around the time of our midterms yeah and so that was really interesting to adjust to so yeah for me personally i didn't really have a lot of 
video conferences. I, ha I had some submissions, I think, yeah. I don't even remember. It's kind of incredible how my brain is just mush right now. And so I personally have been loving just, you know, going through YouTube videos and, I don't know, just trying to educate myself in some ways. I've been listening to some podcasts here and there. I've been reading a lot. Um, I've been writing a lot. Another thing that's been a huge change for me is that I am, this might be TMI, but I don't really care, deal with it, it's part of the human anatomy, but my period is officially a month late. So to all my girls and some boys out there who get periods, um, let me know if any of you guys are also late. and Because definitely it is the change in routines and probably the stress that came with it. But yeah, these are these are really some crazy times. Let me know if there are other things that your bodies are going through in these times because it definitely it's not just, you know, our mental health and our emotional states that need taking care of right now. It's also our bodies, our hormones, everything. So yeah, that's what's up with me. <laughs> Yeah, people have been calling this some sort of a breather, you know, a pandemic pause, as I saw in one podcast that I was listening to. And I mean, in so many ways, and I know that this relates to us on a personal level, it all just feels like our lives have been disrupted terribly. And, and even though we've seen heights of solidarity at this point, just trying our best to stay connected with everyone and to stay up to date with what's happening in all sectors of society, I definitely see that, that there is a disruption in our collective and solidarity just became a second thought to social distancing and social anxiety because for me, the moment we can't shake hands and hug our friends, um, that was the moment we lost touch of humanity and what it feels like to be connected to it. And I think that was that was a huge change that we all had to adapt to. And I think also unconsciously adapt to, you know, it's sort of fighting something invisible and having to deal with it without actually seeing it it's just sort of this huge elephant in the room but you don't know what it is and i think that's one thing that has just changed a lot of perspectives changed a lot of priorities you know the points we were at in our lives that also took a huge turn and yeah um everything that you see in the media had a touch of something different to it you know it wasn't just the name of the virus it wasn't just the lockdown that was happening it wasn't just the death tolls and the numbers rising up but it was much bigger than that and you could almost figure it out but it's more sociological i think that's one thing again is that pandemics are not only political medical just like how we look at it but it's also sociological and when we talk about humanity there's so many layers to it that you have to peel off to actually just see bits of clues 
about what it really is to be human in this time, you know? And I guess that brings me to why I have been avoiding a lot of content, especially on social media. Um, Because I feel like for the first two weeks of the pandemic, I just felt like there were so many, perhaps too many, videos that you can find on YouTube talking about their self-quarantine routines or what have they been doing since coronavirus and all of these things and you know like I said we all feel like our lives have been disrupted you know with cancellations and needed adjustments and all these things they all just seem to fall on the burden of the individual they all just seem to be taken care of by us and that was our job to make sure we don't go insane in these times and we don't fall some rabbit hole being unproductive being totally disconnected you know it felt like we as our own selves had to do something and you know let me just touch up on this a little bit but we have proven just how much this sort of mentality this sort of phenomenon impacts us we don't ever want to suffer not even sacrifice or contribute or just deal with something that can contribute to greater causes i mean environmentally i've been like i said i've been writing a lot and that includes research for this specific podcast episode that i have in mind and it is environmentally centered and what the researchers tell me is that policies don't stand a chance if they voice out against the person if the action demanded is sort of individually centered you know if these have requirements on the individual if these have restrictions on a person's lifestyle um if we set up recommendations on people's lives like say you ask them to go vegan or to not support fast fashion only wear sustainably made and produced clothes all these things turn to a blind eye and unhearing ears it's crazy because We don't want to suffer and we don't want to sacrifice parts of our lives that we've already established just because there's a climate crisis rally going on down the street. And I think this is a very similar situation with the current need to self-isolate and stay at home for the sake of public health because this is a global emergency and you know saying that we all need to do our part it's really just basic human decency to actually do that um, and i think this is more potent in the united states in sort of places with a similar realm as they have you know this value of individualism where for americans their very nationality has been defined as so and so freedom and getting to do whatever it is they want because they're American. That proves a bigger problem in our consciousness. And that brings me back as to why I've just been avoiding any YouTube video related to self-quarantine. Anything that has just been tagged, coronavirus, pandemic, quarantine, all these things, if it's blatantly showing me that, I ignored that, at least for the first two weeks. 
for me, it just felt like the same relationship I had with clickbait. And I'm not saying that, you know, whatever they're going through is not real. It's probably just as real as what we have going on here locally. It just didn't feel right for me to be watching these, seeing these videos titled my routine, what I have been up to, what I have been doing to cope, my thoughts, my struggles, my experience. And I just did not appreciate these self-centering motives online. That's also why I did not have this titled any sort of way. And I personally even feel difficult even saying anything and calling anything. Um, I know that's also problematic to a certain extent as though I'm avoiding the topic and deducing it to something less real than it is and that's totally not my intention. But I think through the days that I've just been trying to think more clearly and more deeply about what I wanted to talk about in here, um, I think I grew more, I guess, more comfortable with it. I mean, I've started watching any content I could on YouTube and, you know, for the most part, it's done me more good than harm just seeing these people also be very candid about it. I think that's also really great for my state of sanity right now. Um, back then and until now, I still wouldn't want to capitalize on such troubling times and I've I've gone back and forth on what terms I would use and, you know, for me, it had to be both healthy and genuine. And I'm going to be honest, um, that's also sort of the conflict I've been having with just presenting myself online because that's literally the only connection you have to the outside world. Literally, it's only my family members who can see me right now and who has got to bear with me. Yeah, I've just been a lot more careful with the extent of my candor. And I think always, I always just choose sort of, for me at least, it is the safer side to rely on being positive, on being that light in a dark room. That sounds so cheesy, but yeah, um, how do I reconcile that? I would always ask myself, because this isn't just with my Instagram stories or this podcast, um, it's with everything that I do from this point on. How do I reconcile reality and the intent to be positive, to be proactive, intentional? And I just want to end this sort of tangent um, with what I've heard and learned from a YouTuber. Her name's Zoella. I'm pretty sure you guys know her. As much as she wanted to be that source of distraction for people, because surprisingly for me, actually, I that was the first time I've ever heard that people actually look to videos and just online content for distraction, that they actually wanted that. Um, but yeah, because a lot of her viewers apparently needed some time off from the news and just from, I guess, the reality of it all, um, that she tried to keep her content as coronavirus-free. Um, and she basically went on with her vlog saying that 
that this is part of her life. This is part of her life, our life. And the worst thing that we could possibly do is ignore it. Now that we have... Wait, is, is, that, even, is that even the term dove? Wait, let me search it up. Dove. Okay, has dove. There's no divin or anything like that. I thought there was going to be a word like that. But yeah, now that we've talked about one side of the juxtaposition, um, it's just fair to also tackle the bigger environment at play. You know, these institutions, these bigger actors, um, the systems as we know them. And I guess if we're acting locally, um, it's very crucial to be talking about the government right now. Um, wow, I... So in preparation for this, I brought with me some screenshots um, of just like thoughts I have in the past month, videos, a lot of recipes, but also what I've been posting on on my stories. I know it's crazy. I literally use my Instagram as some sort of an online journal of some sort just because obviously no matter how big or how small and no matter how you really define that, your following is, it's crucial to be talking to this audience with intention. At least that's how I see it. So I've been sharing thoughts that I figured were definitely worth sharing. And one of them was this sentiment by my professor. This was earlier on in the community quarantine. Let me just see if I can find it. So this professor is my professor in policy making and so he definitely has a lot to say about this is definitely old news but you know with executive orders and all of the memos on hand right now so it is in filipino but basically the bottom line is the need for safetyness in these times so basically to give you guys context um by forcing people to stay at home and lessen mobility you would also risk losing your jobs and not being able to provide for yourself and your family and so you know this is a very scary domino effect where do they get food where do they get their daily wage especially if that's all they can depend on and what's scary in the earlier orders was the lack of concrete protective measures especially for disadvantaged sectors in our society and so that was very important to look into and even though there have been a lot of improvement and progress with what the government's doing with what all the governments across the globe are doing um i think one important thing that we should remember as citizens um, whether or not you're politically inclined whatever that means is that government is an institution that we individuals created. We formed a collective to protect us, to serve us and our best interests. And really that's all the government is. It is an established institution and that's all it can be. You know, there's a lot of potential with the power and the sovereignty it carries. But basically that's, that's it. 
And weeks ago, my brother opened up about his sentiments on accountability and feedback, and we had this entire dialogue. And I'm never one to shy out of a conversation on why pressure is key to any government action, really. I mean, it's just been so disheartening lately seeing all these comments on why activism and a public outcry can't make sense. And I mean, to me, it's always going to be the people. And so it's just refreshing and honestly just lightening that it started to make sense in his own words why any expression of discontentment and angst is our role. It's a necessity in the equilibrium and any service provider with intent to perform and provide would appreciate and as a matter of fact seek after feedback and in the social contract we have with public office we need to demand that accountability and do service and frankly that's just the bare minimum and i'm not gonna go deep into um but what we need to be asking right now is a very simple question of what resources are there to serve everyone what are we doing to serve everyone across the entire spectrum? It has to be accommodating to everyone, whether or not they voted for you. And, you know, I'm not, I'm very passionate about this, you guys can see, but we need to understand that the way society is structured right now is very unfair. And there are vulnerable sectors from women to the countries in conflict, to unreached communities, to indigenous peoples are deeply affected by the crisis that we have to act in a certain way that allows resources to flow to them. We need to have measures put in place to make sure that these vulnerable people are elevated and you know, it brings to question how exactly is the government doing that? Is the government there just to protect their own? And I'm probably not the best person to be talking about this. I am learning as I go. I'm just not as diligent as I probably should. But I think what I would say is follow your gut as a citizen and as your own person. Definitely listen to what you think is right but with that um, the problem is with our very reception of things of these treatments of these actions of these measures the way we receive them and the way we translate them into what is right and what is wrong is obviously first biased but also it's been programmed to flow in a certain way that benefits whoever is on top and let me just go on a quick tangent here but we've been programmed to think a certain way and to think of certain things okay i don't think it's foolproof and totally inescapable um and probably more people would argue that they're not in fact in this matrix as you call it um, but it is in the very admittance of that consciousness that you can grow more knowledgeable. I probably sound like I'm building some sort of conspiracy theory right now, but that's how systems work. They've been built there to serve some interest. 
and that interest flows through a certain structure and that structure benefits certain people and trust me that certain people is not us and it's most definitely not the jeepney drivers not the vendors you see every day not the normal yet essential working class and i guess why i wanted so much to talk about this is i guess to open the conversation about how our lives are so intricately connected and how these networks and how these connections serve some sort of interest whether it be our own whether it be of a greater population but that it is way way deeper than what we think i think what i want to really get out of this is to encourage everyone to think beyond the surface level to discern what exactly does this tell us is this a mere presidential order is this completely unpolitical is this a moment for us to just think medically and stick ourselves to those constraints or is this the time to actually release ourselves from the box that we have been so comfortably living in and you know it some people might do it for kicks some people might do it to get smart some people i don't know might do it just because everyone else is doing it but i say do it because so many people are hurting so many people are made even more vulnerable by these times and you know we can't just stand here saying it's the way things have always been it's the way things always will be you know i think it might help to look at this in more relatable lens and i think one way to do that is to ask ourselves now that my classes are out now that the semester is tipping over and we don't know what's going to happen we need to ask what exactly have i been doing in school one really influential institution right now is that of schooling it it makes us ask a lot of things I mean, first is with everyone basically on alternative learning. How does this challenge our normal way of learning? What does this say about our relationship with technology, given that it basically embraces all aspects of our lives, especially now to an unprecedented extent? And, you know, how exactly to adjust to that? And I see a lot of conversations popping up here and there about oh we need to be adjusting our education system to be more technologically friendly, to be more flexible and adaptive. But I think the question that we're missing is why are we in a rush to adapt this system when there are 
grander and more pressing things at hand. You know, uh, I saw this documentary on YouTube about this NYC student now facing homelessness because their schools have closed down and the administration has basically forced everyone to leave campus. And you're forcing people into video conferences and into submitting online quizzes when they are facing more life-threatening issues. I think that, you know, it's... It's sort of scary how education's relationship with life, with food, poverty, with mental health, with transportation and mobility, how it's all just taking a backseat, you know? And I do appreciate a lot of the initiatives I see now, especially with my school, how it's trying to adjust to everyone. And let me actually just pull something up if I can just find it where is it um I literally have so many screenshots but here it is this particular statement just struck me and let me share it with you this conversation sparked up in a group chat and you know we're giving our pieces to it but this specific statement struck me and it said it is because we have leg room. And basically the context of that conversation is just about what I was telling you guys a while ago about the student council starting a petition that we should cancel all modes of education. Any academic activity should be canceled because it is prejudicial to people with lesser resources, people who really can't access the internet, people who don't have their equipment right now, their school needs, everything like that. And it calls us to reevaluate our stand on this, on why we as students and peers to our classmates, why we should be more understanding and why we should be discerning much more carefully where we stand at this point. Because we have legroom. We have much more space to sacrifice. And I don't even don't even like calling it sacrifice because I don't think that it is. It is the barest of minimum of what we can do to help classmates that we literally spend every day with. And it is not in service to them. It is not doing them a favor, but it is doing what's right. And you know, that just struck me too much, saying that we have legroom. And in so many ways, that is true. In so many ways, yet the system fails to see that. There are much more faults that we see about all these given how multifaceted society and the systems within it just are. I mean, just by looking at the situation in the U.S. and Europe, we see these stories of racism, this new wave of discrimination against race and color, another target point that ultimately draws the line between societal collectives and institutions and groups 
it is a disadvantage to be Asian right now, much more to be an Asian patient in hospitals because you will be treated differently. March was Women's Month, as we all know and should be excited about, but something very interesting about that actually. So March 8th was International Women's Day, the day we celebrate all and every woman, but it also happened to be daylight saving in the Northern Hemisphere. So basically, the only day in the year to have less than 24 hours in it. So looking at these, you might be piecing something together, but I had to look at this entire narrative very carefully because I just thought, well, it's always been March 8th. I think some statements have led audiences to think that this was done on purpose to fall on the shortest day possible. But what's so interesting about it is that it's not any less convenient to have fallen on that day. And there is this entire dialogue sparked by women-led companies, and it makes us ask about our dynamics as a society with empowerment. Like say for example, um, why Black History Month is on February. I mean, pushing aside its strong historical significance, maybe we can prod at how these little details establish a layer of tone. And I'm talking about delegated power, that maybe our enthusiasm over these days and months or whatever holiday it is, is because we let minorities celebrate their worth knowing fully that change can only go so far as that. That by sundown, by the 28th, 29th, 30th, and 31st of the month, it's end of story, business as usual. And this carries over to this entire conversation solely on feminism and pandemics. This article on The Atlantic highlights just how much the coronavirus can be a disaster, and I guess an extra disaster, for feminism. And this is rooted to the terrible wage gap between women and men, much more with women of color and members of the LGBTQ plus community. This also speaks of the expectations we have from women that with now classes and schools closed and children at home, of course it's got to be the moms and the nannies to take on this economically unpaid work. And we already know that this crisis, that this current crisis hints the next recession, which obviously will be at the burdens of Gen Z, but what we don't understand is just how much different of a situation it will be for women forced to leave their jobs or perhaps take on extra work or be left to manage the quarantine baby boom. The fallouts of this crisis will be gravely absorbed 
by women, by people of color, countries in conflict, minimum daily wage earners, in levels that we can't even imagine. I mean, talks of money and power never really favored them in the first place. That's why these are the people that we should be worrying about, people that we should be investing our attention on. Yet, our first instinct as people is to fear look at supermarkets and big tech companies and profit. They never had to fear this. And this certain panic and displaced attention that we now have, they capitalize on. And I mean, anyone can say that capitalism is just as it is that the world of business is just a roundabout, a wheel that allows money to flow across all industries as though it is a democracy and that everyone will get their time. I don't really believe that. I mean, as a matter of fact, I reject it on the basis of observation and the fact that capitalism does not work like that. Economically, capitalism is just as it is. It is the way of doing business. But the dangers of it not only lie in what it can do as effect from exploitation to unhealthy monopolies, but on its very grounds that there is misdistribution and the returns are just terribly unfair and insufficient to sectors made vulnerable. I mean, just look at the interdependency model of globalization with the core abusing its hold on the periphery. And by the way, we are at the periphery. And the scariest part of it all is how comfortable and maybe even necessary we feel towards this setup. You know, it cannot be stressed enough that we should be especially at these times, supporting small people because these are what really steer changes into becoming groundbreaking moments in history, if, if you'd say. And this is the pool of artists, designers, students, small and unrecognized NGOs. And with that, obviously, we can't ignore the, the bigger picture here that pandemics and productivity don't go well. I feel that, you know, with this time sort of forcing us to slow down and reevaluate, a lot of people are worried that they're not doing something worthwhile. Well, let me tell you, these times are not normal. We cannot expect our bodies and our minds and our consciousness to function how it did last year when obviously what we're going through right now is so different, so out of the ordinary, and it's okay. 
it's okay if your productivity doesn't match what you expected it would. Perhaps we're forgetting that this should also account for the stress, for the change in routines, the lack of socialization, you know, the reduced exposure to the usual things that are always just on hand. I've gone on this entirely new tangent, um, and you guys probably seen it coming. We have to ask what this crisis is doing to us. Because this, this is exposing a lot of what the system is doing. And it's doing something terribly unjust to all of us. One of the things that I felt so compelled to talk about on this episode is the value revolution, you know? <laughs> um, let me just go retreat back to my bed to be more comfortable. Exactly the opposite of what you guys probably are from hearing that word. Probably half of you have clicked out and said, oh my goodness, she's going to be talking about this. I better just scoot over. I don't need it. And you know, that that's, that's what I see it is. I mean, um, for me, revolution is just either you want it or you don't. There's really no halfway to it. So to the other 50% that are still here, um, hi. Yeah, it, it's been in my head and my heart lately, much more recently. I mean, I've grown more comfortable with, with this entire idea for a few years now and I feel like I sort of learned to look at it beyond the means of a history book and saw it as something people do and you know in the present tense in the future tense that it's no longer constrained so much to history into what brought us here but also what we can bring forward or what can even bring us forward and you know it's sort of inevitable i guess to be exposed to the idea much to the value of wanting change and wanting change through a revolution and you know once you've opened your eyes to it, it you really can't close them there's really no other way to look towards because it's so compelling and it's so true that why would you close your eyes why would you look away of course with this um i feel the need to talk about enlightenment i guess um and why it's total crap <laughs> and how exactly do we form these values and you know we need to address that it is media that feeds us this enlightenment and it is almost always intended by the system itself and what i mean by this is whatever you learn from films from poetry 
from history books, from lectures, from people and conversations that was meant to be heard, that was meant to be absorbed by some audience, likely young people. And and it is a mechanism of the system itself. Quite ironic, right? Um, and yeah, it's put up there, not by some invisible hand, but by those who put themselves higher than others. I'm talking CEOs, fuel companies, energy distributors, the North and South divide. Um, the structure is terribly messed up. It's there to serve someone better and another less. It's like this ladder of service and success that we were all made motivated to climb in order to feel something greater than ourselves like happiness or wealth or contentment the structure supposedly feeds that and so to say that we need to restructure alone merely identifies the steps to this ladder adjusts it and then deals a new deck of cards but still the same unjust and polarizing deck of cards we need to think bigger now if the structure is the very problem then we look beyond structures now this forces a lot of points of view like let's say the talk of normalcy we all feel like we've been disturbed by these times taken out of our lives and we all want to go back to our normal but what is normal what should be normal and and now that we see just how broken the system is and how it does us so much disservice from the fragmented healthcare system the vip way of governance unaccountable public service we start to ask if that's really the normal we want i've always sown my heart on my sleeve and this is what i'm passionate about we have to ask we have to ask ourselves what it is really that we're living what is the bigger gist here um you know this also visits the question of necessity is it necessary do you think we need this as systems infrastructures and collectives what about nature i think um a lot of what this crisis has also done is bring in the conversation of climate change and climate action do you think nature needed this um there's this particular dialogue i've seen online on how the dolphins are back up in the canals of Italy and that we were the virus all along. It is sort of a convenient narrative to follow, but not only is it opening up this entire dimension of ecofascism, it also ends up with us sitting on families' griefs and you know, the threat of unemployment, the threat of home insecurity. And what I really like about 
having climate introduced to all of this is that I think it isn't merely the global crisis, this current global health crisis that we're having, bringing in this conversation of climate crisis. It also goes vice versa. And we have to see how this very environmental problem, which obviously isn't merely that, caused such epidemics to occur. I mean, one, how the current ecology consciousness did not prepare for this. Two, the conversation on antibiotics and how we're artificially feeding it into the ecosystem with it leading back to us, into our meals, into our tables, basically leading us to grow resistant to them. Third is how the climate crisis should not be looked at as solely for what it is. The pandemic is not just a health problem. The climate crisis is not just an environmental problem. They're both so multifaceted in and of themselves. And we need to start seeing them as that. And you know, we've lost a lot of friends, a lot of our money, a lot of our values, and we've replaced it with grief, panic, this sense of urgency, and hatred. And all of which are so displaced right now. When this came to places beyond Asia, I remember just how real it became how at the surface level it just became so tangible and so personal it was all that the media cared about whether it's formal or informal and when you see it so massively like that you start caring about nothing else but that and you know we gained a lot of uncertainty we no longer know how and what it is to feel that the next thing we see that's it that's the entire story when the pandemic was confirmed i saw this article explaining the difference of outbreaks epidemics and pandemics and an insight from it is how increasingly political all this has become and I guess that's also why much of what the crisis motivates is this conversation on conspiracy theories. I wanted to touch on this because I think it's one other point of view to look at things, but also it can be particularly interesting, especially if it's your niche. And I mean, I'd start with this interesting conversation on masks feel like it has evolved so much in the past two months and um, I remember early February I think it was like first second week of Feb everyone just wore masks um, even in our classes everyone had some sort of mask on and I commuted home one of those days and I had to wear a mask and there was already a shortage locally because back in January, the Dalai volcano erupted. And so everyone, even though they were not affected, literally bought masks. It was just like the normal thing. And then over that weekend, a lot of the dialogue online 
sparked about how you don't need to wear masks, masks are not effective, just wear them if you're not healthy, blah blah. And so the week after that, no one wore masks. And, you know, until the end of February, March started to roll in and then the quarantine started. And now it's a lot normalized and it sort of felt like that weekend of February felt like the peak of of this crisis at least for me and I remember feeling like oh that was the peak that was the peak of the fear the panic that was it it was done until you know a couple weeks into the ECQ it became mandatory to wear masks outside and then a week later the recommendations that you see online was that don't wear surgical masks just donate them to hospitals because obviously health workers need them more than we do as normal people going about our days and now with stricter measures we still need to wear masks but alternative cloth masks will do and and obviously this is all just in retrospect go watch the news go listen to what the health professionals have to say but this is just really interesting for me to look at because this is a prime example of how information evolves and how the truths with quotation marks can change so much in so little time as we live in a post-truth world it's becoming increasingly apparent that that we are in the midst of an infodemic and you know there's this irony with the 5g conspiracy theory which if you're not familiar just go look it up i think articles will better explain it than i will but with this hoax spreading on social media on facebook and youtube people started burning their phones the very phones that they used to gain that information about the 5g started getting rid of this very tool of information now if that's not ironic i don't know what is it's so clear-cut though we're so connected yet so disconnected at the same time and i certainly believe that social media and what the technology has contributed to our modern lives is so helpful but it's so irresponsibly used as a tool to propagate post-truth I mean, obviously, there are other conversations about this, talking about how this pandemic is an intended biological warfare, um, an economic re-engineering, all of this ideas popping up here and there, building up as their own truths. Um, and, you know, conspiracy theories are an ideological agency, some people would believe this, some people would believe that. And it's, I guess it's also part of human nature to sort of cling to some group think. Um, and I guess through, through that membership on some idea, we gain this power or this 
control that we lost when everything started. And we like that. We thrive in that. And I don't think it's it's all too selfish to and I don't think it's all too selfish. I mean, this New York Times article says that we are more than likely to share false news and prophecies than we are actually to believe them. And what I think is that there is a certain wave that we want to ride, whether it's the Twitter's trending or the goal to be a pioneer prophet. We want to share this information and misinformation to serve something or some population greater than themselves. And I think that brings us back to why we work so well as a collective. Why groupthink seems to be the new normal. And whatever it is you believe in, where does faith come in in all this? You know, whether you have a faith, a religion, some sort of collective ideology that you cling to, whatever it is, I think it's important to ask, how does that affect your stand and how well you stand in all these things? It's been four Sundays that we had to live stream our service, but one Sunday lesson that I gained is consume life, God, nature. In these times, we need to choose what consumes us. What is it that we will devote our all-consuming interests to? I'll leave you to think for that. But the last question, um, I think the last question that we've all been begging to figure out is should we make the most of this? If I were to answer that, I, it would be a resounding no. I think it's so capitalistic to think and assume that we need to make something of this moment out of any and every moment that we need to produce and to create and build something out of ourselves because without that product, without some sort of enterprise value, we're nothing. And so, no, no, I don't think. But, but as usual, this comes with a conflict of complacency. I've been asking myself, am I forgoing this time? Am I simply letting go of the opportunities that this time brings? I mean, even that word, opportunity, is it, is it something natural to this season? Or is it something we create? And even so, should we? I think if, I think if there's one thing that I'll be doing all day long is 
telling people that this is the perfect time to be our kindest, most understanding selves. You know, times are crap, but we shouldn't be crap along with it. Um, these are confusing times. And it's chaotic, not just in the head, but also in the heart. It makes you ask questions about choice, lack of choice, duty and action, what you can do, what you can be, who do we choose to be in these times? I mean, do we get to be the next prophets in prison? Like say, Anne Frank and Victor Frankl, you know, you know, to be in this generation, it's sort of asking us if we want to be the extraordinary in these times that are so out of the ordinary. I mean, that's obviously just a shot in the clouds, something I wrote in a whim last night, but these are confusing times. But these are the times that we have been called in to live. And these chaotic, troublesome, grieving and unsettling times are still times of the life which is a gift. The life that we're living. Let me end here. This moment, this moment right here, that is not your life. Not the entirety of it, no. But it is a moment in your life. With that, I'll say thank you for keeping me company for however long. I think it's been like over an hour. And cherishing as much of these words that are gifts as I had only hoped when writing them of being able to think and talk with everyone. Um, let me know your thoughts. This is a conversation. You can send me a voice message on Anchor FM or message me anywhere else. And don't forget to look at the document in the description. It is a document in progress, so if you have anything you want to add, DM me on Instagram. I tried my best to collect smaller group initiatives just because smaller initiatives should also be put to light and so make sure to check them out if you're looking for donation drives um, and I'll just keep it sweet and short. Tomorrow will be a good one. It'll be a good one. Thanks everyone. Bye.